Vacation starts with VA. One thing you'll love about your trip to Virginia is that you'll never have to settle for one thing. All that you love is all in one trip. Start yours at virginia.org. I finally got through to a manager and they're like, yeah, we're trying his room and he's not responding. And I was like, that's weird. And then it just kind of kept escalating. And at this point, I'm freaking out. I had a friend come over because I was panicking. I wasn't necessarily thinking the worst worst yet because I thought I was like, okay, maybe he got sick or like maybe it was like a heart attack, but like they can rush him to the hospital or something, you know? And then they're like, paramedics are here. And then they're like, law enforcement's here. And then they said, the paramedics left, but law enforcement's still here. And at this point, of course, we know something's bad's happening, but we still didn't think it was the worst. And then finally, a security guard got on the phone with me and was like, you know, sorry. Like, unfortunately, he passed away. When I heard that news, I was like, I mean, I just completely just crumbled. Like, I mean, I collapsed on the floor and I was like screaming like an animal. It was just so brutal. When life gives you lemons, what do you do with them? Over here at The Squeeze, we We talk talk about it. Hello, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. I'm very excited about this episode. Um, It was a true honor to, to have Kelly in studio with us. We we met her a little over a year ago. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know who Kelly Rizzo is. She's an amazing chat. She is a food, travel, and lifestyle expert. She has an award-winning show called Eat, Travel, Rock. Um, so just big fan of her work. She also is Bob Saget's widow. And that is how we met Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, was a little over a year ago. It was shortly after Bob passed. And um, we met Kelly during that very, very difficult time. Yeah. Um, but her, her strength was truly unbelievable and still is. And her outlook is just incredible. And she really is keeping Bob's legacy going. Yeah. Yeah. She's just, I mean, that first night we met her, I told her how inspiring of a human she is, but she truly is just... She's just like an infectious person, I feel like. I loved our chat with her. We also, hopefully they cut some of it out because we talked about airplanes for a very long time. (laughs) Um, So bear with us. Uh, But yeah, we we just love her and we're honored to uh, have have had her on and call her a friend. Yeah, absolutely. So hope you guys enjoy this. Get ready to laugh. Maybe grab a set of tissues. Um, It's a wonderful conversation. We'll see you on the other side. Kelly, welcome to The Squeeze. I am so, so happy, thrilled, and honored to be here. This is so special. Thanks for having me. Likewise. Yeah, likewise. Very honored to have you. Yes, very excited to finally get to hang out because I feel like we've been trying to hang for a long time. I know, I know. Well, we've had some brief little run-ins lately, but... Not enough good quality times. Yeah. yeah. This was overdue. This counts as good quality time. Yes. Yes. yes For it sure. Does. For sure. So we start each episode with a little game called Citrus Got Real. 
this little jar here. Ooh. She's got a lot of little questions. Go ahead and pull one. Okay. This is so exciting. Boy, these new questions are making me nervous. If you could move to any country in the world, where would you move? Oh, Ooh. well, this is good for you. So my first instinct would be Italy because yeah. that's where my family is from. My dad was born in Sicily. Okay. Oh, cool. um, so I still have a lot of family there. So it feels oh, wow. cozy and comfortable and yeah. in a sense like home to me because that's where my family originated from. Okay. Um, but I also feel that, yes, I speak Italian, but not fluently. I'm conversational. So they're living there might be a little uh exhausting mentally because I'd always be like translating so then part of me is like I think London or England Ooh, right uh yeah. because I love London too so yeah, and there's same. no language barrier yeah 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 that I mean, would I think that would yeah, be what about my, you guys I think London would be mine yeah we are big London fans I've spent a good amount of time there I did a show there for three seasons um so oh you really got to experience it. yeah it was I want so him to do it fun. again because we were the last season was when we first started dating and I only got to see him for like a weekend because I yeah. just started nursing school and I'm like go do that again so I can actually just go move with you and live there because I'm just dying yeah. To stay there for an extended period of time. I know. We had, like, we were two weeks into dating. Okay. And I had <laughs> to leave to go film the show. And I was like, you want to come visit me? Like, feel free. And I didn't think she would, but she did. Oh. But, um, oh, nice. It's like my first time traveling by myself, too. Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely, um, yeah, that would be high up on the list. London or Greece, but I think mine would be London. Yeah. I haven't been to Greece. I have family in Greece. Oh, okay. so, Do you uh, speak Greek? Um, not fluently. I can understand some things of it. <laughs> okay. It's my, my Nana is very mad at my mom for not like teaching Passing me. that on. Yeah. yeah it's, my mom, yeah, my mom my is family, yeah. fully fluent in it. And I was like, bro, you don't want to, you don't want to teach me that one. But <laughs> yeah, same thing. Exact same thing in my family. Yeah. My dad, you know, speaks fluent Sicilian, well, Italian and Sicilian. They're actually very different languages. Oh. And, um, he started teaching me when I was really little, but then kind of gave up because my mom's not Italian. Yeah. Um, so we didn't speak it in our house, even though like with my grandparents and stuff, we spoke yeah. it. But my dad gave up teaching me when I was little. And now to this day, I'm always so mad at him. Like, why? Yeah. Like, I could be totally fluent. Yeah. You know, because it's those are the very formative years for yeah. language, you know, from let's say like three to seven. Yeah. And if you miss that stage like you're never going to be as fluent as you could be so yeah i know i missed like, opportunity i feel like i knew a lot as a kid but i recently like i kind of stopped because i just got busy and i stopped doing it i'm trying to think of the app that i was using oh. and it's like every it's like duolingo get, oh yeah or, was it that was it i feel like you I'll have to look. there's like rosetta stone and duolingo so i did rosetta stone as a kid and then we couldn't figure out how to plug a microphone and it was like back when it was like actual like desktops and like the right. actual like computer part of the computer. We couldn't figure out how to plug the microphone into it. So then I couldn't keep doing it because I had to speak to keep going on. But I think it is dueling over. It's like it's like it's fun. Like you like just yeah. click Wasn't the it like like five or ten questions a day or something. Uh -huh. Like it was a quick thing. Yeah. And I was surprised that some of the words like came back to me. Like, I feel like once you just know a couple of the words, then yeah. you can. Efkaristo. Oh. <laughs> That's my, like, one Greek word that yeah. I know. Yeah, Efkaristo. Thank you. Yeah. What is that? Thank you. <laughs> it means thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Got it. 
Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> okay, we can get into the episode. Um, we're excited to talk to you because a lot of things, but um, yes. we love traveling and we also love food and you love traveling and you also love food. I'm excited about this. So we have, <laughs> yes, we do. love to know all about that, but where did your passion for travel and food come from? Well, kind of, I guess, going back to the Sicilian roots, you know, my grandma was an incredible cook and I spent so much time in the kitchen with her and I just loved learning to cook. And I think from a very young age, especially when you have, you know, like an ethnic side to your family, you eat more interesting cuisines and yeah. you eat more interesting food items than you normally would as, let's say, a typical American kid. Yeah. So from a young age, I was eating like snails and clams and like weird things wow. that, you know, you don't normally eat as a kid. Yeah. And so I was always a little bit more adventurous where my palate was concerned. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then travel, we didn't do a lot as a kid. We went to Florida every year and then we started going to Vegas. So it was like Florida and Vegas oh, wow. were the only places that my parents took us. Yeah. And I remember I like really wanted to explore more and it just wasn't really a big part of my upbringing. Yeah. And so I just made it a point where I said, you know, I'm going to be more well-traveled than yeah. I was kind of raised to be. And I just got so obsessed with air travel and actual like airplanes and the airline industry and aviation. Wow which is really strange, but I got really into, like, when I'm on a flight, I listen to air traffic control, like, the entire time. <laughs> like, which is, like, I have this crazy nerdy side that a lot of people think is super weird, but it's fascinating to me. And so I started getting into that a long time ago. And then I was like, hey, I'm just going to start sharing about this. And, yeah. you know, some stuff on the nerdier side and then some, some stuff on the more mainstream side. And then it kind of became like the food and the travel and then the music yeah. with Eat, Travel, Rock. It was, I'm like, I love talking about this stuff. Maybe people want to hear about it. So. Yeah. So something, as you guys know, that has been a huge part of my mental health journey, Taylor's mental health journey, journeys as individuals and as a couple has been therapy. Amen. And that is why I am so excited to share our next sponsor with you guys, which is Cerebral. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. I love that Cerebral is 100% online because that means you have no excuse. You have to go. Yeah. Like there's no, oh, I don't have time to go drive. It's too long of a drive. No, you can do it on your lunch break. You can do it before work, after work. And it's honestly just, it's convenient. Yeah. It's convenient and they have great therapists. Yeah. And it's, it'll just keep you accountable too. So we... Highly, highly encourage that you guys check out Cerebral because therapy has just done wonders for us. And we know it'll do the same for you. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving our listeners 15% off their first month of online therapy, medication, or both. Get started at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code the squeeze to make 2024 your best year yet. That's Cerebral. C-E-R-E-B-R-A-L dot com slash podcast and use code the squeeze 
Offer is only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. See site for details. Get going on that therapy. Have you ever considered like getting your pilot's license? Oh my gosh, Taylor. I get okay. this question so much. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. So no, no. It's it, it, because every time I explain this to somebody, I get a different reaction. So I want to see what your reaction is. My my answer to that is absolutely not yeah. because I don't trust myself yeah. when it comes to, you know, just the checklist that goes into like every time you fly. Yeah. Even if it's a private plane or, you know, just like a little, yeah. like a Cessna or something that you yeah. learn on. I know there's checklists. So the, the point of those is so you don't forget anything, but I'm like, what if I forget something? <laughs> what if I forget, you know? That's and funny. then there's a big problem. So I feel like I just don't trust myself that yeah. I would forget a very crucial step yeah. and have, you know, yeah. an accident. Yeah. So. So no. <laughs> so right. So, but people are like, but usually, but that's what this is for. And that's what lessons are for. I'm like, no, no. Yeah. So I don't, I'm happy being the passenger. Yeah. Same. Same. Yeah. I don't, I've never, I've never even considered it. So I don't even know if I would. Yeah. I don't think I. My dad was a commercial airline pilot <gasps> and he, of See, course, this is so fascinating has, to me. <laughs> he's tried to convince me to just spark that passion and it's just not there. Like, he's like, we could like, you know, we could fly together. And I'm like, no, I am happy in the back of the plane. Like, love travel, totally fine with planes. Do not want to be up there. I feel like the checklist thing I'd be fine with, but like, there's no like route. Like, how do you know you're going straight? Like thinking about like, you know, there's waypoints. I know there's ways. Yes, I do. But like not, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of space up there that's just open. And I don't know if I like that. Well, there are actually, I mean, there, you can't see them, but there are roads yeah. in, in the sky and there's waypoints and there's like literally like, like highways pretty much that um, and different routes that you take. So if you're going from LA to Chicago, you'd have certain waypoints. They would be like hit direct to this point and then now go direct to this point. And so okay. that makes me they give you better. like little uh, signposts that you need to hit. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think I can. No, not no. for you. But at least that means you've probably never really been afraid to fly if you grew up with it and your yes. dad was a pilot. Yeah. When I was younger, like I never was, but fear of flying actually has like crept up to me in my my older years. Like yeah. it's it's started kind of somewhat recently. Like I never was afraid of flying, but I, in the last few years... I've started just getting a little bit skeptical, which Interesting. is Interesting. And is that um, more of a, like a you, enclosed spaces thing? Is it a aerodynamics thing? Is it a, you just don't like the process? Like what's, what's the reason? Because by the way, this is, I used to have a tremendous fear of flying. Really? And then that's why I think I became so obsessed with all this because I did so much research and like learned so much about it because I knew I wanted to travel. And so I, forced myself out of a fear of flying by just oh wow and that that's a lot of what I do now is I you know try to help people and give you know I do Instagram videos and stuff for people who have fear of flying so. oh wow I up until recently have traveled a lot but it's always been for work okay we've started in the last yeah. few years um couple years um like traveling for fun right. really for the first time in our life do you have because I need I want to like 
put it on my notes in our to-do list. Like if you could choose anywhere, like where have your favorite places been to visit? Well, let's combine two things in one here. Obviously, we were talking about you guys love the food aspect as well. So my favorite food city in the U.S., besides Chicago, my hometown, which is neck. I mean, New York and Chicago are neck and neck, but Chicago, like let's say per capita, probably has the best restaurants. Um, But my favorite food city by far is New Orleans. Have you been? Yes. Yes, a lot. So... It's just, it's such a romantic, little antiquated, interesting town. It's so eclectic and so beautiful in so many ways and really fun. Yeah. Yeah. But the food, when you really do like a deep dive foodie tour there, there is no place in the country that has more incredible restaurants. Wow. Like kind of jammed into one small space that are just out of this world. Do you do you know you any that. off the top of your head? Because I filmed a movie there year before last. So I was there for like almost three months and Ooh. I got to know a little okay, bit. Okay, yeah. Of the... There's one um uh it was called uh, La Pesh. Uh-huh. Oh. That was yeah, I forget the yeah. chef now. I mean, I did this okay. whole foodie exploration. I have a whole travel guide, so I'll give you guys a travel guide. It's on my Instagram. Um of uh, the restaurants that I went to. I think I went to 19 restaurants in three days or something. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Wow, and wow. every single one was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, La Peche was one of the best ones. And then they just have so many cool little, little like you can go to the old Absinthe the house. Yeah. I'm a big Absinthe fan. So, oh, you wow. know, actually going to a place that does, you know, they are experts in Absinthe really? Um, is really cool. And I mean, that place has been there since like 1790 or something ridiculous or 1810 or whatever um but yeah it's just such a authentic real place i just love new orleans i love that you said that yeah i'm trying i can't think of any of the restaurants off the top of my head but we had some fun exploring i know we found the ones that we love i know but i just forget the names do you remember the the cute little one isn't it your friends with that cute outdoor area am i incorrect cute oh oh where we went with um Walking and Craig, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Or I didn't go. Again, you went? don't remember the name. Ambiance, incredible. Yeah. I'd say food, 8 out of 10. Ambiance, 11. Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Oh, and all the oysters. They get so many yes. oysters. We need to go back now that I like oysters. Oh, yeah, because you didn't do oysters then. I was always just afraid of them because I'm like a texture person. Oh, man. Um, so I've, I always say I'm not a picky eater, but when it comes to like textures of things, it kind of scares me. Like I didn't like mushrooms until we started dating. He, I've converted her. He cooked them like crispy and now I oh, can just okay. eat them normal. But I never tried oysters just because they kind of freaked me out. But I love sushi. But anyways, we were doing our tasting for our wedding. And so this is just a year ago. And they like brought out all of the food for us to try, obviously. And they bring out oysters. And I was like, OK, this these are going to be at our oysters wedding. Oysters at the wedding. I need to. Fancy. I, I need to try this. Yeah. Like I'm going to. And I shoot my little oyster. And I was like, this is the best thing I've actually ever had. And now since then, I've every time we're out, I'm like, oysters? Oysters? Thank God you got a good one on your first time because every once in a while you get a funky one. Yeah. A bad experience for your first time. Yeah. No, it was it was it was like honestly one of the best things I've ever eaten. See, I like the ritual of it. I like the process. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing like with absinthe or like caviar or something like that. There's a whole little ritual that goes along with it. We saw you. I I about a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was January of 2022 when I met you guys. Okay. Oh, wow. In, Almost here. 
was was it not was it like a week after Bob passed? I remember exactly. It was ten days ten after. Days. So Bob passed away on January 9th. Okay. And this was ten days later. And it was like my first time really like going out, like yeah. leaving the house. And you guys were so, so kind along with your dear friend, Jason Kennedy, to put together. And I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily just for my benefit, but it was, you know, definitely. Highly, yeah. yeah, it was part of the program, I guess, was um, to have, you know, a little prayer get together, you know, virtual church service yeah. with Pastor Judah um, to just kind of be there for me. And Jason was like, I want to do this for you and put together a little, you know, kind of group of love at my house to kind of help you. And I brought Candace, Cameron Bure, and my sister, Kristen. And that's where I met you guys. And you guys were just so kind and so thoughtful and just so sweet to, you know, we'd never met. And I didn't, it's not like I knew Jason very well. Um, But uh, to, and then Judah, of course, to do that for me. And it was just so meaningful to me. And to this day, like I'll never forget it as long as I live because that was Mm -hmm. really the first time that not only did I really leave the house and kind of venture out, but in a group of people that I kind of took a little a little out of my comfort zone, especially at the time. And you know, met some new people and I just felt so, you know, held and cared for Mm -hmm. even by people that I had just met. So it really meant a lot. So thank you again, guys, for for um being so supportive at that really really sad sad time yeah that so it's been uh, about a year and a half uh, i'm sure there's i'm sure there's good days and bad days mm-hmm. um but i just wanted to say it just it seems like you are you're 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 doing the things you love and doing the things that you know bob would want you doing so that just makes me so happy thank you Before we, I just wanted to start because I actually don't know this. Can we go back to the beginning? How did you guys meet? Like, what is, what is, what is your guys' story? How did that happen? So I just started recently telling the truth a little bit because he used to say he found me on Instagram, but really he saw me on a dating app. Okay. So he saw me on Raya, that dating app, and saw me on there, but we didn't connect there. And then, and then he went to my Instagram and saw me there and then reached out to a mutual friend because I was living in Chicago at the time. Mm. And, you know, I was in media in Chicago. He knew another friend in media in Chicago and assumed we'd know each other because it's kind of a small world there. And we did. And he reached out to him and was like, hey, do you know this Kelly Rizzo girl? And he's like, yeah. Sorry, but Bob goes, is she a bitch? (laughs) And and he's like, no, she's really nice, I hear. Or, you know, I don't know her well, but she seems really nice. And he goes, well, can you get a message to her that I'm going to reach out to her on Instagram? Oh. So he DM'd me and he's like, hey, I'd love to invite you to a show someday and take you out for a bunch of, I see you love food. I'd love to invite you to a show and take you out for a bunch of burgers and lobsters or something. I was like, okay. But but I was like, ah, a little too old for me, not really my type. Like I was not interested, but I was also kind of intrigued because, yeah. you know, it's on one hand, you're like, oh, it's Bob Saget. Like, how do I not at least entertain this, at least on a friend level? Because, right. yeah. you know, he's, you know, somebody that everyone's known forever. Yeah. yeah. But on the other hand, I'm like, uh, I don't 
like on a romantic level? I'm like, I don't think so. So we were just friends for a little bit. And then as I got to know him more, I'm like, well, there is nobody else on this planet like Bob. He is one of a kind. How do I pass this up? I was like, damn it, he's charming. No, I can't like Bob Saget. That's weird. I know. But I'm like, uh, he he just he grew on me into where I'm like, all right. All right. I'm going to going to see what this is all about. And then, yeah. And then we got married. Oh, man. Yeah. So when you you were getting to know him, what was what would you say? What was one of the things you were most attracted to? I imagine his humor is pretty high up there. Yeah. But what's interesting is a lot of comedians, they're not always funny. Yeah. And they have a really big dark side as well, because the reason they got to be so funny is because a lot of them went through some really hard stuff. Yeah. So Bob, like most comedians, had a very hard life and a lot of really sad stuff happened to him. I mean, he lost both his sisters at a young age and both his parents and um, just went through a lot. And also, you know, you have to have a very neurotic, intense, frenetic brain in order to even do that type of work. Um, And you have to be a little quirky and a little crazy and a little out there. So you know, he was an intense guy and he was not always funny. And there was a dark side as well. And so people are always like, oh, my God, is it just so all fun and games be married to a comedian? I was like, no, there's a lot of work. There's yeah. <laughs> a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, yes, of course, he was brilliantly funny. Nobody was quicker and more witty than yeah. Bob. So that was... <clears throat> Initially, of course, a major source of attraction in a sense because I was like, he's brilliantly hilarious. But at the same time, he was also so thoughtful mm. and so considerate and so just aware of like other people's needs and just doing everything he can to try to help. And like, what can I do for you? What can yeah. I do? And he was just always so on top of everything. He was like, yeah. wanted to help everybody he can in any way he could. And with how busy he was, he was also that person that if you asked him for a favor, or he was doing something for you. It's like it got done in five minutes. Like he wow. made it happen. Like there was never anything that he dropped the ball on. Like he was just so. Mm. And I mean, I know it's not the most like romantic thing to be like, he was so reliable and responsible. But I mean, it's true because <laughs> a lot that. of people aren't. And yeah. it really like I felt so safe and secure with him because he was always just such an incredible caretaker. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I have to ask because I feel like I can't really ask this question to a lot of people, but I was a fan of Twilight before. I was a big Twilight girl before <laughs> dating Taylor. Did you watch Full House? Were yeah, you well, a fan of it? it's interesting. Like it's, you know, a similar dynamic then. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone watched Full House. I wasn't, you know, like my sisters were maybe bigger fans in terms of make, making sure they watched it every week. Like maybe yeah. I had mm-hmm. watched 70% of the episodes or something like that. So, you know, in the 90s, I was definitely a fan. Like I yeah. l- liked the show, but I wasn't More like a diehard. Right. I didn't have like Stamos posters right. on my wall. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or sorry, definitely. Or Danny Tanner posters yeah. on my wall. <laughs> sorry, Bob. You know, like I, like usually the, the heartthrobby one was John, you know. Yeah. So like I didn't have, you know, I wasn't into it like that. Um, but I definitely liked the show. And then same thing with like America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh my gosh. 
you yes. know, like that came out in 1989. I was 10 years old. And I remember every single Sunday watching it at my grandma's house when we would go to her house for dinner <gasps> since I was 10 years old. And yeah. like now looking back, I'm like, how weird is that? Yeah. That I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, you know, because I think that went through 95 or 96. Really? Um, so, you know, I was 16, 17 or whatever. And being like, let's say as a 12-year-old yeah. kid to be like, one day I'm going to be married to that guy. Like, that's yeah. so weird to me. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. like when I met him, like I, there was such a disconnect. And see, for you, this may be a little different because like, it's not like Taylor looks like a totally different person than he did. I mean, it's like you can kind of tell it's Taylor. Like, you sound the same. You kind of look the same. Kinda. Like Bob, you know, his voice was different, you know, because, you know, 30 years had passed. Like yeah. his voice was deeper. So he kind of sounded different and he looked so different. Yeah. yeah. Um, that to me, like the Bob that I was with, like there was a major, like I didn't see Danny Tanner from Full House. I yeah. didn't see the Bob of America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah. So I always felt like I would like have to like look at a picture side by side to be like, is that even the same guy? Like I really <laughs> truly felt like it was a different yeah. person. So for me, I like, I clearly I know that truly that was he like doing that. But yeah. like my the Bob that I knew, it was like a separate guy yeah. from that. She says the same that's, thing. That's exactly what okay. I say. I mean, like, and it's funny because I was probably like 12 or 13. I like went to all the movie premieres and like everything. Yeah. I yeah. loved it. I also just love, I loved the book. So I loved the movies. But yeah, I always say like looking yeah, like watching these movies. So I'm like, that's weird that like this guy that I'm watching, like I, it's going to be my husband one day, like yeah. trying to like tell my 12 year old self that to process it yeah. but i always say even when i watch stuff of taylor's like today watch it back it's it's like well i guess like your most recent movie i feel like that is you but yeah. like watching like re-watching twilight back or even just like thinking about it or like you know seeing photos i'm like it's just like it doesn't like everyone's like you're you're married to like jacob from twilight i'm like no, I'm married to Taylor. Right. Like, right. It's they're just like it's two different things for me. Yeah. It's just yeah. I know it's interesting that both of you feel that exact same way. Yeah. Well, so but when you you were a fan of the movies, were you a fan of like his? Were you like, ooh, like I have a crush on no. him? I'll just other... answer for you. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> I, I had to get that. I was I was the other. I was too young for that. I was the other. <laughs> I was too young for abs then. I wasn't into Twelve year olds were into abs. Yeah. 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 The twelve the <laughs> Susie. The twelve year old in me was not into the abs yet. If I was That's a little so older funny. then I probably would have been. I'm yeah. your team now. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Now I'm, team, I'm team Taylor. That's all that matters. Team Taylor now. Well, I mean, I will say like Bob was, you know, people are like, oh my God, Danny Tanner. He really, there were, there was a lot of that character that was very true to life. Like he yeah. was very clean and a neat freak yeah. and also loved to hug people. <laughs> so it was <laughs> like very, that was very accurate. He did embody a lot of that character. And then he also embodied a lot of like his entourage character. Like he was somewhere in the middle. Yeah. yeah. You know, I love that. How, how yeah. old was he? Uh, I'm just curious here. How old was he when he started Full House? Like 31. Okay. Wow. Well, yeah, he was born Literally. in 56 and he started in 87. Wow. So, holy crap. He's my age. Oh, like right now. Right now. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. So he was, he, and it was, uh, God, eight seasons. And so he did that through, he was, 31 to 39 or something was his okay. wow. full house years. Oh, wow. He's in his 30s the whole time. So young. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, t- I don't know how I, I totally forgot about America's Funniest Home Videos. I used to watch that with my family. I know. Until you said week. that, I forgot. I know. I just totally blanked on that. But it were you old so enough many to watch even the like when Bob was still doing it? Or were you yeah. not? You okay. were old yeah. enough for Bob. I don't think I was unless it was like yeah. he stopped that in 97. I but think, like, were they still 96. doing reruns? Because I definitely like I only watched Bob's. Like, yeah. When they were. Well, he was Bob, he was really... actually a big writer on the show and he did all those voices, like all those little. Yes, like, yes, like, yes. Like, you know, like like a little the animal voices and the silly voice. Like he did all those voices. Wow. Where now, when it's uh, you know, it was um, yeah, who took over? Um, well, Alfonso is doing it now, oh, and yeah. I don't believe like you know he's more of just like he's the host, uh, the host yeah. versus a writer and doing yeah. all the voices and stuff. So yeah. Bob was always very proud of the fact that he, oh. you know, was the original and he was very involved with making that show. Yeah, what it was at the time. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. Um, okay. So we, and if I, we don't need to go here, but I, we know your story. Um, and you know, we saw you 10 days after, um, but for the listeners that don't, would you mind going back to the day that you got the call? Like I know he was gone, right? He was on tour. Yeah. So he was in Florida. And I mean, this is not something that, you know, I talk about all the time. So it's good to, you know, it's one of those things that I might get emotional, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Um, you know, people are always like, oh, is it okay to talk about Bob? I'm like, no, I love talking about Bob. Yeah. Um, but he was on tour. And well, this was just like a, a short, it, this was just uh, two shows in Florida. Okay. Um, so he did Orlando and then he did Jacksonville. Okay. And so it was uh, Saturday night. He had his Jacksonville show and then drove back to his hotel in Orlando. So it was like a two hour drive. And we were on the phone for maybe like an hour of it. Like we talked for a while on his way home. And, you know, keep in mind, it's three hours later there. And it's a very late, you know, by the time he's done, it was he didn't get home to like two in the morning and it was 11 for me. And I had had COVID. So he had had it like the week before, but then he was mm-hmm. fine and, you know, fine to go away to Florida. Yeah. But I was still not feeling great. And I had like a horrible sore throat. And so like all night I was like, oh, I feel like crap and my sore throat, my throat hurts. And so he got back to the hotel and he started texting me pictures of these like throat lozenges that his friend had given him. And he's like, look, honey, I'm bringing these home for you. Like, just mm-hmm. go to sleep. Can I please, can I pay you to go to sleep? Will you just go to sleep? Because I like wouldn't, he's like, you need rest. He's like, take this med and take these meds and like, just go to sleep. And he's like, I will see you in the morning. I will be home tomorrow. He's like, you know, and then it was all like, thank God. It was all like love. Like, mm-hmm. I love you so much. Can't wait to see you tomorrow. I miss you. Love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. Mm-hmm. And... Then it was, you know, I woke up the next morning and I feel so bad now, like looking at my text to him because I woke up and my throat was still like on fire. And so I was texting him like, my throat still hurts. I called the doctor and he didn't respond to me yet. Like, what do I do? Like, this is not normal. Like, I've never had a throat like this. And or my, you know, like it feels like strap like this is. And I was just like unloading on him about my sore throat. (laughs) And he like wasn't responding. And as I said, Bob was very, very reliable and responsible. And like, if he didn't return a text in 10 minutes, yeah. I was always like, either he's filming something or on stage or like something's wrong. Yeah. But because 
I have a major tendency towards worry. And this has been a problem my whole life. Like if ever mm. I can't get a hold of somebody in my family, I always think the worst happened. Yeah. And Bob was always telling me, he's like, you've got to stop the worrying. Like you're going to give yourself a disease. Like you're going to give yourself cancer. Like You're going to give yourself like something. You have to stop this. It's so bad for you. He's like, when have you ever worried about anything where it's ever actually come true? Like you worry about all this stuff and it never happens. So just stop it. And so that morning, you know, I'm texting and he's not responding. And of course, like your mind doesn't go to like the worst place like immediately. But it was, you know, like a couple hours later, I'm like, this is weird. And um, I knew he was flying home that day. And I remember being like doing the math. And I'm like, okay, it's 11 here. It's like two there. He should be, his flight I thought was at three. Like he should be at the airport by now. Yeah. And like his phone was still at the hotel. And I was like, that's kind of weird. But I was like, nope, I'm not going to let my mind go there because he always said, what are the odds anything? So it was like the one time that I was wow. actually testing myself to like not get worried. Right. Wow. And I was, I was like, nope, I'm just not going to go there this time. Wow. And finally after, you know, it got to the point where I was like, this is really weird that I called the hotel and I was like, can I speak with, you know, can you put me through to, and I knew his uh, alias uh-huh. and I was like, can you put me through to this room? And they're like, well, we don't do that. I'm like, yes, you do. I like, gave you the alias. Right. I'm like, clearly I'm not like a fan calling. Right. And uh, I was like, fine, can you just call his room and then like call me back or right. tell him to call me? Yeah. And then they called and then I finally got through to a manager and they're like, yeah, we're trying his room and he's not responding. And I was like, that's weird. And then it just kind of kept escalating. And then they're like, we're doing a wellness check. And then it was like, I was like, okay, now this is where, this is when I started calling like his daughters and his ex-wife and my family. And I'm like, this is, at this point I'm freaking out. I had a friend come over because I was panicking. And um, then it just, at that point, we're like, all right, something's weird, you know? I wasn't necessarily thinking the worst, worst yet because I thought I was like, okay, maybe, you know, he got sick or like maybe, maybe it was like a heart attack, but like they can rush into the hospital or something, you know? And then they're like, paramedics are here. And then they're like, law enforcement's here. And then they said, the paramedics left, but law enforcement's still here. And at that point, I'm like, what? Like, it just, and at this point, of course, we know something's bad's happening, but we still didn't think it was the worst. And then finally, and this was a two-hour process of me being absolutely hysterical on the phone. I I will say my sore throat went away immediately because, you know, your body can only handle like the worst pain at any given moment. Yeah. Yeah. So it was weird. My body was like, I'm going to give you a little break on this aspect because you have bigger shit to deal with right now. Yeah. And um, I finally, my friend was like demanding, like, we need answers. This is crazy. And then finally, a security guard got on the phone with me and was like, you know, sorry, like, unfortunately, he passed away. Like, when I heard that news, I was like, I mean, I just completely just crumbled. Like, I mean, I collapsed on the floor and I was like, screaming like an animal. It was just so brutal. It was so horrible. And then it was kind of a blur. But then it was just like phone call after phone call after phone call. Like I had to, you know, the first call I made was to 
his ex-wife, Sherry, because I knew like I'd been talking to his girls all morning, but I'm like, I knew that I couldn't tell them. So I told Sherry and then Sherry told them. And then uh, immediately the, uh, you know, it it hit TMZ like 20 minutes later. Are you serious? And then thank God people started coming over. I think Candace was the first person and then like uh, Jody and Lori, uh, Stamos, and then Jody and Lori. And uh, it was literally like the full house people were like, actual family you know and they were there right away and uh because you know my family's all in Chicago so I was alone and his girls are in New York and so I had to have like his friends were the only people there for me physically and it was it was just like this crazy whirlwind because you think of you know going through that in and of itself is insane but then when you have to do it when it's like in the media and yeah publicly and it was just I mean sometimes it's actually cathartic to like go through that process again because I don't do that all the time but every single time I do it it like hits me because it takes me back there yeah you know Uh like it was yesterday so anyway that's the very long answer to your question no I I just can't like the 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 media side of it all because I know we talk to a lot of people like about you know we talk a lot about this like grief and just like this whole process but just like like that's just like I, that, that's killing me at hearing that from that you on top of how difficult the situation is like you gotta deal with this too it's like, like it's not it's not just something that you know it's not you're not meant to deal with loss in that yeah amplified like that yeah and, and having to be giving statements and like it's like yeah. you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to worry about that at all. Yeah. You, know, you should be able to grieve in complete privacy. Yeah. And well, it is a double edged sword in a sense because it was also something that even though it's so weird to have to deal with that, the outpouring of love, I'm sure you guys noticed that like was you. Yeah. Like that was like nothing anyone had ever seen. I mean, it was next level. I mean, it was like Bob and like Queen Elizabeth that year like got more love than anybody. And on one hand, it was there was pressure and a lot of responsibility to be in the public eye dealing with this. But at the same time, it made me and his family and his friends, you know, just so happy to see just how I mean we knew how loved he was but like not to that extent and I feel like Bob would have been like part of him would have been like yeah of course people love me this much like I'm Bob Saget (laughs) like everyone loves me but then part of but then we're also like no he would have been shocked with you know he had his uh insecurities too like he would be super confident on one hand and then sometimes he'd be like you know I hope I hope I hope people like me enough you know so just like any artist or comedian or anybody like you have that both sides to your personality so i know he would have been so honored with how Mm. much he found out that people really really loved him so and then on the other hand like you know i'm talking to you guys today i've you know all the whether it's about you know when it was right after it happened or more recently like i'm always here to talk about bob because i want to keep his memory and his legacy alive not that i need to do that because people love him anyway and he's not going anywhere regardless but anything I can do to help keep his memory alive is what you know part of my mission always going forward because yeah you know he deserves that so absolutely yeah I love that 
Um, I kind of mentioned the grief thing earlier, but I just think grief is such an interesting process because it is a lifelong process, but it also just looks so different yeah. for everyone. How have you seen that process change maybe like from, you know, the beginning couple months to where you are now? In the very beginning, you truly are so consumed and overwhelmed by it that you're like, I can't see how I'll ever be normal again. How will I ever be happy? How will I ever laugh? How will I ever smile? How will I ever, you know, just have a normal day? And because in the beginning, it's, you get hit by a wave. I mean, once again, this is different for everybody. You know, I cannot speak to somebody who's, let's say, like lost a child. That's a completely different ballgame. You know, I lost my husband who was 65 years old and lived an incredible, amazing life and got a chance and an opportunity to change the world and make it a better place. So that's very different than somebody who, let's say, loses a child at a very young age where you're like, that child never got to do this or that or, you know, it's so my experience and being okay 21 months later, like, you know, you could maybe lose a sibling or lose a a parent or a child. And 21 months later, you're still not okay. So I understand that my situation is unique to me. Um, But in the beginning, it was like every five minutes. Like, I don't think I could go five minutes, maybe 10 without getting hit by this wave that just feels like it just punched you in the stomach and you just get, you just start bawling and you're crying and it's like you can't breathe and you can't do anything except deal with that like wave of grief. Yeah. And then maybe after like a week or so, it's every half hour. And then maybe after a month, it's like every hour. Yeah. And then six months later, it's like, okay, maybe I'm only crying a few times a day. Yeah. And then after a year, it's like, okay, now I'm only, you know, I think it was, I cried every single day for like six months. And then I remember I had one day where I didn't cry and I felt so horrible about it. I I was, wow. Yeah. I felt so guilty. Yeah. Like, how could I not have cried today? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess I'm a horrible person and maybe I didn't love Bob as much as I was supposed to. And and like your brain starts going to these places where you're like, oh my God, are people going to think I'm horrible? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I remember I had a day, maybe, yeah, six months or so after. I mean, you know, this wasn't like six days, this was six months after where I was like listening to a song in my house and like, you know, the speakers were playing some song. And I remember just like, singing along and I almost like danced a little for a second. And I remember I was like, oh, I was like, I can't believe I just danced. Wow. I was like, oh my God. Like, did anyone see that? I have to call. And I called my sister. I was like, Kristen, like I just danced a little and I sang a song and I feel so guilty about it. She's like, Kelly, like if you feel happy, like go with it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And then I learned and like now what I'll tell people is when you have those moments, like you're going to hit get hit by another wave of grief soon. So just like enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. Like we don't know if we're here for another hour on this planet. Like Bob didn't, surely didn't think he had a couple hours left when he talked to me that last time, you know? Yeah. And we never know how much time we have. So it's like, if you're feeling happy and if you want to dance, dance around your freaking house. Yeah. You know, because life is going to get 
hard again and you're going to cry again. And what, you know, if you're grieving, like you're going to get hit by another wave of grief or you're just living life, like just go with it. Yeah. So I was really hard on myself Mm. for, you know, starting to kind of feel happy again. Yeah. Would that be, I'm guessing this is what your answer would be, but I was going to ask, what do you wish that you knew in those early moments of grief that you see, you know, a bit clearer now? Would it be? Yeah, I think it would be that survivor's guilt situation, which fortunately, and I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I'm very blessed and lucky that I didn't have any guilt or like regret about Bob and because as I said, our last conversation was, I love you so much. And, you know, it's not like we were in a fight. And, you know, he was a wonderful husband and I was a wonderful wife and we had a great relationship and we treated each other with respect. And, you know, there was nothing like, it wasn't like I was supposed to be there and I wasn't there. And like, what if I was there? This wouldn't have happened. You know, there was nothing like that. Like I wasn't supposed to be there. There was nothing I could have done. It was a freak accident. Like what? Yeah. And by the way, when I saw you guys that 10 days after, we still didn't even know what had happened to him. What? Oh, whoa. Yeah. We didn't find out for like two until like two or three weeks later. Really? Yeah. So we just kind of assumed it was, you know, like a heart attack or a stroke. I mean, like, what else would you assume? Yeah. So you were waiting to find out. Yeah. We didn't know that the detail he had hit his head until it was like maybe two to three weeks after. So in that time, like we still didn't know um, what it was. So it was like really weird to live in this limbo of like not knowing what had happened. And fortunately, like a lot of times those things take weeks and weeks and like six to 10 weeks. And we fortunately found out like much faster. But wow. um, But still, point is, it was a freak accident. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where. there, You know, as I said, there was nothing I could have done or anyone could have done differently. Yeah. And so I didn't have guilt or regret, which are like really the things that can kick your ass when you're grieving. Yeah. So I was lucky not to have that. But then the guilt crept in when, you know, I started to feel not so horrible all the time. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, can Bob see me smile? Like, is he mad at me? You know, like, and of course... I'd be like, no, he'd want you to be happy. But then I'm like, but so soon? Right. You know, and there's no, like, I mean, the time is different for everybody. Some people can smile and laugh six days later and, you know, some people six years. Yeah. You know, you don't know. But, uh, yeah, I wish I would have known then that, like, this people start to feel guilty for feeling happy and that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about that before, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just so cool that you we've never talked about this before. And I'm so thankful for you talking about that because that is like such a real thing. And you just being honest with that is going to, you know, yeah. help a lot of people because, yeah, I know that's, well, yeah. you know, and now I'm in this place where it's like anything. I am certainly no expert. I've only lost one person very, very, I mean, except for grandparents, think, yeah. you know, thankfully, thank God. but it's only been Bob. So I've gone through this one time. So it's not like I'm an expert. Bob was the expert. Mm. And that's why it was, Mm. that was what made this even harder is because he would always tell me like, don't worry, like I'll be there for you whenever you lose somebody. Cause like, Mm. I'm the guy, I'm the 
grief guy. <laughs> like, yeah. I know how to handle this. I've been through this so much. Like, don't worry. Like, when it comes time and you lose, you know, your parents or this or that, like, I'll be there for you. Yeah. And so to mm-hmm. go through this, like, without him, but I was like, wait, but you're my, you're my guy. Like, you're how do I guy. do this? That? Right. Like, you're my grief guy. Like, where are you? <laughs> yeah. So. Aww. I do feel yeah. like in some way that he did keep his promise with that because I think you going through this, I think. I think he's going to be with you in the sense of what you've learned about yourself and how to handle it. I think, I think that's still, you know, obviously he's not here in the physical, but, um, I definitely think he's still, you know, going to be with you and what you've learned through this, through him. Absolutely. And yeah, thank you for saying that and reiterating that, but yeah, it's true. Um, and just in other ways too, like his humor, like I can hear so many times I can hear like jokes that he would be saying, like yeah. in a certain moment, I was like, Oh, Bob would be saying this or Bob would be, and then like, he'll give me moments of like levity that I'm feeling like, okay, this is, you know, there's a conduit here where he's still able to be there in a sense. So yeah, yeah. you've talked about, uh, the importance of selling the house that both of you lived mm-hmm. in and, um, that, you know, being crucial to your healing journey. Was there like a moment or a day? Like, how did, when did you come to that decision? Well, actually, so the process was a little, because I remember there was something I said in an interview one time that almost got taken a little out of context saying that I had sold the house because it was triggering, but that's not actually what happened. Okay. Um, You know, this was a house Bob had been in for 20 years. He loved the house, um, but it was just way too big of a, responsibility for and technically uh, like his the house you know was his estate so like his his girls were a part of that and they live in New York and they're like well like we can't have the house and you can't like I mean it was too big of a undertaking for us to keep and uh it just didn't make sense and so we and the girls and I you know like we needed to sell the house and uh it just it was just what needed to be done. It wasn't like an emotional thing. Got it. Yeah. So that was uh, not part of, you know, like we had to have big talks about like, oh, this is how we feel about it. Um, you know, it was sad because Bob loved that house, but right. um, that was just more of like a logistical decision. Right. That, uh, but then what had happened was I had, we were in the house for like three months after he passed. Um, and, or I moved out three months later. And during that time, I would realize that certain things in the house, because, you know, keep in mind, like he left the house one day and then just never came back. Mm -hmm. And so there was so much stuff that was, you know, left as he left it. And there was so much stuff that, I mean, everything was his stuff. And also I had such kind of traumatic memories of being like in the kitchen like that's where I was when I found out what had happened mm-hmm. and I remember like looking at the part of the kitchen that I was in where like I literally fell to the ground and like yeah. you know was crying hysterically like that oh, wow. every time I was like in that part of the kitchen I was like Ugh, like that's where I was when that happened and then being in the living room like this is where we were all gathered right when everyone started coming to the house that day and yeah. So I'd like walk through parts of the house and just have these memories attaching of the memories, yeah. attaching, yeah, like kind of traumatic memories, mm. even though there were so many happy memories in that house. The first few months, it was very triggering to be there because everything was Bob and it wasn't 
I didn't have enough separation of like time and space to like be in a place like we're now when I see a picture of Bob or a video of Bob, like I smile and I can laugh and I'm happy. Yeah. Um, Of course, things, you know, I'll still see some and like cry and get sad. But like for the most part, I can look at something and be happy now. We're in the beginning you know, everything was, I would start bawling every time. And like there at the house, you know, I would see, oh, that's the lawn chair he would sit on every day and smoke his cigars and his robe and, and, you know, and have his laptop and write his emails. And like, so I couldn't even like look out at the pool because I would picture him, you know, sorry, like I'd picture him out there doing those things. And it was Mm -hmm. just so sad. And even though it's like, I loved the house and I loved being there, and, you know, as I said, we didn't sell it because of that reason, but it yeah. got to a point where I was like, okay, this is coming at the right time because it was really hard to still be there. Yeah. And so like when I moved and I moved to my, to my new house, it was like a fresh start, but also I still brought so much of his stuff, but it was like in a way that was like curated yeah. and in a happy way where it wasn't, it didn't have like the heavy attachment to it, even though I brought so like his stuff was everywhere it was stuff like I wanted to look at and stuff that I wanted Mm. the memories from you know versus it being forced upon me it was stuff that like I you know yeah as I said curated yeah yeah Yeah. that's so special yeah that you yeah you get that yeah okay on a lighter note okay we love special forces (gasps) we we, lighter note geez that was the, yeah, that was like the yeah, hardest well, week of my life i mean but we let's we, talk about a different type of misery <laughs> <laughs> oh man let's talk about you being tortured <laughs> yeah okay that that's my point is so we we watched the first season okay I, oh I, you I, did yeah, yeah. <gasps> like I, I i loved it i don't know did you see the first season no, okay. I, I I did before I went, but not before I decided. I was going to gonna say yes. before you decided. No, okay, because I don't know. There's no way after seeing the first season, I would say yes to doing that. It, it. I love watching it, but I I don't think I would survive. I mean, it's it's crazy. So now, what part? makes use is it like the living conditions type of thing like you're like no i like being comfy in my house or is it the you know the physical challenges or the scare like the scary stuff so the challenges so the living conditions and everything absolutely couldn't do it um (laughs) he's on a sleepover type of guy he is a give give me my own space see that's how i am yeah in my own he was yeah no that sounds like a nightmare um the challenges Mm -hmm. like there's some that I would be totally fine with and like think would be fun. Like the running down the the thing. Like I think I would I think I would like that. The anything that has to do with like being claustrophobic and like the dropping like into water and like circumstances like that, I just don't think I could do it. Like I wouldn't even be able to I wouldn't agree to do it. I would say peace out, Girl Scout. Yeah. Um but I, I just like kudos to you for going on it because uh man, it's just like yeah, how how was the experience so without giving anything away? I wanted to do this because on the physical side of things, like I always knew that I was pretty strong, pretty athletic, and pretty competitive. And 
when I saw a lot of these challenges, the first, and I also not scared of heights and not scared of water and like wow. all those very adventurous things, like they look really cool to me. Okay. Like in the first season, they did the back dive off the helicopter into yep. the ocean, uh-huh. you know, where the backwards where you, yeah, there, you're, it's not, a, there's no hands. It's like a hands-free, like you just cross your arms over your chest and fall backwards and dive off the helicopter. Uh-huh. To me, I'm like, that looks awesome. Like wow. I want to do that. So in one of the episodes, I did a back dive off a like a 30 foot platform off a boat into freezing pitch black water, like in the middle of the night. So you do you fall backwards into, you know, 40 degree water. That's another thing I don't do. Yeah. And I do. And and nor do I, Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) However, when you're there and you don't have a choice, you just <laughs> suck it up and you do it. Uh, like, I hate being cold. And yeah. so when my, so my agent first told me, she's like, okay, so we want you to do this and it's happening and it's in Australia. And I was like, oh, Australia, like, great. I've never been. I'm so excited. And then like Not the day Australia. later, she, she was like, oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's actually New Zealand. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. But I, it was June and you know, here. Yeah. Uh, well, it was June everywhere. So it was June, but we're in LA. Yeah. And, you know, June in New Zealand is winter. Yeah. Oh. But I didn't realize how cold it was there. I still was like <laughs> thinking like, oh, winter. Australia, you know, New Zealand, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, still always kind of nice. Um, And this was the south of New Zealand. So we were in Queenstown, which was very, very cold. But I mean, oh, wow. not as I said, I'm from Chicago, so I'm used to yeah. the cold. So this was, you know, let's say high 30s, low 40s every day. So not brutal, but still. That's cold. We were outside all day and um, and in, in getting wet and in the rain and in the snow. And um, but mentally, because people have been telling me this last year and a half, like, you're so strong. You're so strong. You're so strong. Like, I've, you know, you're the strongest person I know. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not. Like, you don't think you're strong. Like, when you're going through this, you feel like a pile of mush. You know, you yeah. don't feel. You're just trying to get through. Right. But everyone kept telling me this. And so I was like, all right, maybe they're right. Let's see how strong I really am. Wow. So I was like, all right, this looks like a cool opportunity to A, challenge myself physically, B, challenge myself mentally, and C, challenge myself like just comfort level. Uh-huh. I need to sleep with a sound machine and my same, eye mask and same. my earplugs yeah. and my comfy bed and 70 pillows and, you know, my Tempur-Pedic mattress yeah. <laughs> and in a completely pitch black, quiet room. Absolutely. And now I'm in a room with 13 other people on army cots yeah. that have no padding, no mattress. You get a little travel pillow that's made of paper that's like this big. So like it's what it looks like. Oh, it's, it's, it's not it's like no they joke. film. It's not like they film you guys getting in your cots and they're like, all right, cut. And then you go to the hotel. Oh, like, no, no, no. It is what it looks it like. It is a thousand percent real. There <sighs> is no, I mean, the bathrooms were outside. It was four plywood stalls that had buckets in the ground. <laughs> so there was no plumbing. Oh, and man. and I remember it was funny. So Jojo Siwa was like my bathroom buddy because you have to go to the bathroom with you can't go by, you can't go anywhere by yourself. You always have to have a buddy because oh. it's like military rules. Like Got you can it. never be by yourself. So even if you need to go to the bathroom, which was, you know, across the camp um, from our barracks, like from our bedroom, uh, it was maybe, you know, maybe like a 
50 yards away. So like not super far, but like you, and you had to run everywhere. So you have to go with somebody even and you have to run. The even when you're going, you have to jog everywhere or run. Wow. So, and even in the middle of the night, like, you know, I'm in my forties now. <laughs> Got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night sometimes. So I would have to wake up Jojo because she was like, she was like, wake me up. Like, I don't care. Cause she could, she's 20. She could go back to sleep in two seconds. Right. So for me, it was so hard to go back to sleep. Oh. So I'd wake up Jojo or like Tom Sandoval and be like, can you guys go to the bathroom? Can someone go pee with me? Stop. And so we'd have to like put on our clothes and, you know, you have to get fully dressed because it's cold out. Yeah. Run to the bathroom and, you know, you go to the bathroom and then go back. And then the funny thing is Jojo, and sorry if this is TMI, but like there was one, there was like a bucket of like orange sawdust, like outside with like a shovel outside of the stalls. And for like the first couple of days, Jojo and I were like, what's that bucket for? Like, what is that stuff? And then finally we realized we're like, oh, that's if somebody goes number two, they have to shovel the sawdust into the buckets. So that way it's like more hygienic, yeah, you know, and but like we didn't realize what that was for. And then finally we saw some people like shoveling. We're like, oh, we get it. We get what you Funny. had to go in there for. Yeah. So oh, like we, it was we no joke. We, we had to chop our own firewood to keep the uh, st- wood burning stove in the or heater in the wow. bedroom going. It's legit. It's very, very real. It's no joke. <laughs> what was the worst part? Well, the comfort level aspect was for me the sleeping. I was yeah. I was getting maybe like three hours a night, and then you're doing the most physically challenging stuff you've ever done in your life yeah. on very little sleep. Jeez. So that was really hard. But then for me, um, this boat carry challenge that I will say I'm very proud of myself and the fact that I said that I will not quit or give up. Like I'm not going to just be scared and quit, or I'm not going to just not want to do something and quit or be uncomfortable and quit. Yeah. Um, I tried, you know, you get to a point where I'm like, my knees were shot. I could barely walk, let alone run. Um, and I was like, I want to give up. And then people would like not let me. And then I said, the only way I'll ever leave here is if I'm either injured or if my body just cannot physically go anymore. If like my body just breaks down. Yeah. And I'm happy to say that that is what happened. I went until my body just gave out and I could not go anymore. Wow. And it was, we had to carry like a thousand, I mean, I think it was a thousand pounds, but it was probably like 400 pounds. Um, uh, like a, one of those Zodiac boats, like those Navy SEAL Zodiac boats, uh-huh. like over a mile through hilly terrain out in like the fields in New Zealand oh my. and push it up a frozen icy river that's like running downstream that's waist deep and it's like ice cold. And, wow. you know, I'm slipping on the rocks and falling backwards and the water's rushing over my head and I'm like hysterically just melting down and crying and convulsing and the Navy SEALs guys are chirping in my ear like your husband's looking down on you, like, don't give up. And I was like, oh, like, really? You're going to pull that on me? Yeah. Jeez. So, but that (sighs) certainly does motivate you. So it it got to the point where I, I, you know, worked so, so, so hard and tried so hard. But I just, at some point you also are like, it's better for me to quit for the team. Because if you're on Mm -hmm. a team, in a team situation, you're like, I'm just holding the team back. Right. You know, when you're on a team with, like Tyler Cameron, who's a beast, yeah. and Tom Sandoval, who's incredibly fit, 
And then an Olympic gold medal speed skater whose legs are like tree trunks. Yeah. Who are like, she's the strongest person ever. And then and then me. I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm dead weight, guys. I'm dead weight. I'm dead weight. Oh my you gosh. don't want me here. <laughs> I see. Okay. So give the squeeze listeners an exclusive here. I wasn't going to talk about this, <laughs> but I didn't. I, I was approached to be on the season. Um, I was asked to be on it, and it was an immediate no. Um, because, I think you should reconsider <laughs> for a future season. Maybe it'll be in the jungle. I appreciate you saying that, but um, I'm going to pass. <laughs> um, but they told me it was going to be in Jordan. That was last season. The first season? first season was in the desert in Jordan. Oh, well, then they maybe at some point. Like they were saying the second season was going to be. So this New Zealand one. Oh, maybe. Yeah, because they went from like summer in, yeah. in the desert okay. to winter war. The whole point is this, the season was winter warfare. So I'm my guess okay. is that if they went from desert to, you know, snowy New Zealand, I'm guessing that maybe next season will be like yeah, where jungle. Yeah. Kind of. Or okay. like rainforest. Right. Yeah, Which like to me. Really humid. Something yeah. Like that. Yeah. To me sounds like all I think of as like bugs and i was like i'm yeah. like no way fortunately yeah. there were no bugs in new zealand we didn't have to deal with any because of, of the cold oh my gosh jeez no. okay well thanks for that scoop no. because i'm very excited for um tonight's episode <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah i think uh this yeah this is the um uh, we do a back dive off a boat into pitch black water freezing water and then you're not there's like, tied a, up right no you're oh you just you're just free falling. Okay. Head first, oh, backwards. Wow. And I, was crazy. I did really well in that one. And wow. then um, we there's a tactical driving challenge with like explosives oh, and stuff where you're... I saw that preview. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We, we love that show. I'm excited. It's so fun. Um, speaking of recent projects, um, I'd love to talk about um, a little podcast that, you, yes. that, that you're doing. You can tell her. Listeners I've already solicited it. you guys to uh, <laughs> be one of my first guests. Um, yeah, I'd love to talk about it. So I'm it's, obsessed with the idea. Oh, thank you. It's so clever. Yeah. Yeah. Is. Well, like, please have us on. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so it's called Comfort Food with Kelly Rizzo. And it's, you know, I'm just talking to really great guests who are friends or, you know, notable people who, you know, at some point have, you know, gone through something in their life or have something that they want to share about that maybe you know, like what you guys do here, you know, you talk yeah. to people who have gone through something and, yeah. uh, but we're, so we're talking about, you know, life, love, laughter, the whole thing, but while eating my guest's favorite comfort food. So, good. so it's kind of a little bit in the vein of like the hot ones where the food isn't the main part of the story, but it's kind of there to help yeah. you along the way, yeah. you know, and the food's something you come back to. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll be eating your favorite comfort food. You guys yeah. can pick two different dishes or 10 different, whatever you guys yes. want. And, you know, so it's, you know, we're talking about life in a way that, you know, maybe where we we're sharing things that have been difficult, but since we're doing it while we're eating your favorite comfort food, it makes it a little bit more yeah. lighthearted, adds a little levity to it and a little comfort to it. Um, so yeah, it's hopefully something where people so can good. learn, but also yeah. be entertained. And, you know, there might be some cooking that happens at some point, yeah. you know, uh, might be some cooking segments. Definitely, I'm sure some cocktail segments for people whose comfort food is an old fashioned. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Yours. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. So that that's uh, happening real soon. I'm starting to record this week. 
when um so by the time this episode comes out when is do you know when your first when you'll release i would say it's probably gonna be very very soon after so okay by the, yeah by the time this comes out i would say uh definitely look for a comfort food because it's going to yeah. be coming out soon or at least very soon after so okay it's such it's honestly such a good idea such a great concept Thank you. like I, I i just thought about what such I'm a bringing. Great i don't know what you're bringing but you th- you know what you're i think just because i'm hungry and this sounds good because i was just talking about it but it is kind of like comfort it is comforting what chick-fil-a <gasps> see and then that's why we can like get actual right. chick-fil-a we can just yeah. order chick-fil-a right like i'm just uh, mm, wow Chick-fil-A, yeah, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A sauce. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, I fries. don't. Yeah, what would yours be? I know, I know. I See, know. this is going to be I'll, a, start, I'll, bring, I'll start prepping it now. I'll do the Chick-fil-A. You do the cocktail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with the old-fashioned. We could do that. Yeah. I like old-fashioned so too, a, so great. And you like old-fashioned too. So we got a cocktail. We got Chick-fil-A. What done more did you want? That's a heck of a night right there. Booze and Chick-fil-A. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Shot. Like, <laughs> oh, actually, it's uh, we're doing shots of... Um, a uh, wild turkey or fireball. Oh, oh no. Gosh. You know what I do? I, I do Chick-fil-A want, and fireball. <laughs> I want you to introduce me more to absinthe. <gasps> like why? Why? I feel I think I've only like had it once or twice. OK, so how about this? I've been dying to have an absinthe party at my. So I just moved into a new house. I want to have an absinthe party. Yeah. So if I invite you guys, will you come to my absinthe party, Ab- please? Absolutely. Absinthe. Absolutely. You're done. Uh, You're done. Why You're did done. I feel like that? It just felt so good in that moment to say that. Um, but. Yeah, it's I love the traditional preparation of it. Like I, I'm going to have well, I've had this before, but I lost it in the move. But I'm getting another one where it's okay. the it's this beautiful old like antique looking um, like a it's like a water cooler almost. But it's pretty little glass contraption and it has four spouts on it and you can turn it so it just gently drips water slowly out of each spout. And you put the absinthe glasses, which are also a sp- special kind of glass that you put under each spout and um, you fill up like about an ounce of the absinthe. And then on top, you put this special slotted spoon on top of the glass with a sugar cube on it. And so you drip the water slowly onto the sugar cube, which then dilutes the sugar and it falls through the slotted spoon into the absinthe. And then it it's called it luches the absinthe, the water and the sugar together mix with the absinthe and like the wormwood ingredient that's in the absinthe to like activate it. Wow. And then Boom. it turns into a cocktail because then you add enough cold water to it um, okay. and then with the sugar. So it's like sugar water. It's almost like yeah. a, its own old fashioned in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Um, and then you drink the cocktail, but it gives you, you know, everyone's like, oh, it makes you hallucinate. Like, no, it does not. However, it does give you like an interesting kind of buzz. Like it's like a different, you know, how like tequila gives you like a little slightly right. different. It's, it's yeah. like that where it gives you a slightly different kind of buzz but it's just so fun the traditional preparation of it that yeah. i love that um yeah so i want to do an absent party at my please house do that we need to bring her to joaquin and craig's house i know i know i was thinking as she was saying it our, go ahead our friends converted their like dining room into their own speakeasy like in their house Stop. and they like live in an old house like you know small older house in the valley in the valley so unassuming you never know but so you walk through the front doors and you're like Oh, this is a charming, you know, very cute older house in the valley. But then you take a right and go through this frosted glass door, 
which used to just be their dining room, and you are transported into the coolest cocktail bar. And he, oh, that's so cool. I was going to say the husband, but they're both husbands. One of the husbands <laughs> built it himself. Like he did everything, but you would never know. It's so beautiful. They have like every kind of liquor, alcohol, whatever you want to call it. You yeah. Can think and of. he makes it. He's like just as a hobby, he's a mixologist. Yeah. So he makes incredible drinks they have like um, little nuts out like that's like how oh, they like, got, like jazz music playing and it's just it is a vibe it is so cool well count me in yeah i have to twist my arm <laughs> oh my gosh that's so fun all right we oh. good all right well thank you so much for coming on Guys, that was awesome thank you we we're you know just always thinking about you thank and, you um, well you guys were some of the first angels i encountered on this journey you know it was not long after that you guys came into my life and i'm so grateful so thank you for having me it means a lot of course thank you so much for squeezing us into your day please be sure to rate review and follow our pod and check out full episodes on youtube you can follow me at taylor lautner my lovely wife at tay lautner check out the squeeze on instagram at the squeeze and also give a give a little uh, glance and a follow to lemons by tay that's at lemons by tay on instagram and lemons by tay.com and also be sure to email us lautner.thesqueezepodcast at gmail.com if you guys have any questions any guests you'd like to see but most importantly please continue to talk about your journey with those around you and send our show to a friend that you think could use a little extra squeeze in their life absolutely Toodles magoodles, everyone. Magoodles. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.